And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Let's roll! Let's hear it for Captain America! It's the Dying Man! It's the Rocketeer! Gentlemen, you're up. Hello and welcome to Comics Monthly Monday number 70. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my two co-hosts, Michael Bailey. Hello. And Scott Gardner. Hello. And, uh, you know, usually I come in on a chirpy tone. I'm going to try to sober it up a little bit. We're going to dedicate this episode to Herb Trimpey, another great old-timer just passed on. A legend, yeah. And, uh, you know, and and another just tweak on... on, um, uh, you know, when people were posting his death on Facebook, it was always a picture of, you know, um, the Hulk, Hulk cover with yeah, 181, yeah, which always just reminds me that I used to have it. You gonna be all right? I'll be okay. <laughs> it's you it's sure just like that? it's just like the memory of that three way I could have had. It just hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> ah, those two guys really weren't into it, though. <laughs> <laughs> if you could, there just, you go. If, what up? Uh, if you, uh, I, ow! If you could just see what the, those those young ladies look like, you would be eating those words. Okay, I, enough, enough. I'm trying to maintain the sober. So yeah, that's fine. That, yeah, that's done. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys got new in the world of comic books i'm gonna go first me first oh good lord I, as you all know because i know everybody dutifully listens to all the monthly mondays including star trek and star wars is i've been sort of gorging on star trek and star wars comics and talking about those so i'm not going to talk about any of those but you know around the edges I'll often get comics that aren't Star Wars or Star Trek. And I got a piece of swag. Mark Kambach, dependable as ever, sent me an actual funny book. It's a little um, paperback of Casper the Friendly Ghost classics. So he knows what I like. So thanks, Mark Kambach. It's going right next to, I think one of the first things he ever sent me was a Casper the Friendly Ghost comic book. And uh, the other one is a, is a freebie. Um, 
Well, actually, uh, Johnny Bueno, who did uh, the funny book Underbelly, and may be doing it again in the future, um, owed me ten dollarinis. And so when he was at the comic store, without consulting me, but just knowing, just knowing me, he picked me up a copy of Darth Vader number three before it sold out. So, so I got a copy of that. But he also picked me up, wrapped in plastic. Um, Garbage Pail Kids Puketacular One-Shot with a Peter Bag cover. Wow. Okay, that's that's got to be a back to the bins, dude. Oh, my God. It's great. It's it's in horrible taste. It's got one, one Garbage Pail Kid who's basically a giant turd, very much like the green jelly. <laughs> Shitman? Yes, very much, very much like Shitman. Who's on the on the toilet and he's literally shitting bricks? Asphalt Walt, no <laughs> roughage, less suffrage. Is enough of that comment. So that sets the general tone of um. I think that's the, of the garbage pail kids so. spectacular. The cover is a Peter Bag cover. That's why he got it for me. Is he knows I'm a sucker for Peter Bag of Comic Con Ron, which is just a you know just your total nerd guy in a bunny suit with all his swag he's got a t-shirt on that says keep calm and buy garbage um (laughs) so yeah johnny another one knows what i like and um the third one i picked up it's a reprint and i'm imagining the real number one of this is probably really expensive but image will do um they call them image firsts with Mm -hmm. a print a first you know, number one of a of a comic that's doing really well and for a dollar. So I picked up um, Saga number one on the um, on uh, Hope Mullinex's recommendation when I was when I was on one of her shows. And I got to tell you, like flipping through it and looking at the art, I was going, OK, I don't know. We'll see. The art the artist is pretty. But it just, I don't know, it didn't look like it was a very interesting story from just flipping through it. But once I started reading it, it's really good. And I can see why it's kind of a hot item now. It seems like it's a, a really fun story. So I might end up I might end up having to pick up the Saga Trades and uh, see what that's all about. It's cool. modern mythology type of story. Fun. It reminded me like light Alan Moore in, in a lot of ways, in a, in a good way. Usually that's not a good thing, but in, in this case, it was pretty good. But that's about all I got new in the, in the funny book world. I know you guys, being the comic book connoisseurs that you are, have a little bit more than I do. Go ahead, Mike. I got an iPad. Ooh, oh, dear God. <laughs> uh... I, I've said this a couple times over the next, uh, over the last like week since I've had the thing uh, to people, uh, but it, but it's true. This is the night I got it, and the night I figured it out. Because you know you got to go through the shakedown process. Because uh, I'm not like 14 anymore, where I can look at a piece of electronics and tell you how it works just by looking at it. It's why I've been setting my father's VCR since I was like 10. <laughs> so, but um, but this this is going to fundamentally change how I read comics and how I buy comics. Uh, and what I mean Why? by that... Yeah. 
here's the thing. Because uh, <laughs> my, my wife and I were talking about this. I realize that, one, I'm at that point as a collector, and I really don't want to get into how pissed off I am with DC Comics right now. Because uh, we try to be uh, somewhat... You know, critical but upbeat on this show, and I just don't want it to turn into, uh, you know, me slamming Jim Lee for saying something incredibly stupid. Can I? But, can uh, I just? Can I just interject one brief thing though? Not not to tangent this because I agree with you. I want to keep things positive and all that. And you and I could do an entire, I'm sure, like yeah. like epic series of rants about current day DC. But I just have to say that uh, I, I read your article that you posted the other day. And uh, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it was nice to see, and I'm trying to think of the nicest way to put this because you know you, you know that I, I consider you one of my very best friends. So I'm trying to th- find the nicest way to say this, but the, the, I'm just going to put it this way. It was <laughs> nice to see that Michael Bailey has limits too. If you know oh yeah, what I mean. oh definitely. Because oh, oh. I, I wondered, man, what is it going to take for this guy to finally? see and say this sucks because i know you're you try not to be that guy and i respect you for that i really do but your bullshit tolerance level has been so much higher than mine (laughs) that i was starting to kind of worry for your sanity and it was really you know while i agree with you and while it is truly sad at the same right it was kind of refreshing to find you know Michael Bailey's human too. I was worried about your teeth, to be honest with you, because it's like when 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 you're trying to be, you know, it's like being that person at the family reunion who's trying to keep the peace with everybody, right? And you go to bed and just start grinding your teeth down to nubs, you know. That's uh, <laughs> that's well, what I, I was worried about. While it is probably worth it to talk about venue, I, I will keep it to this statement. I gave you four years, and you gave me nothing. So there, there does come a point where you're like, uh, you know, the. Uh, did you guys ever watch any any of the newsroom for that HBO series? No, no. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, go to YouTube and type "newsroom first scene." It's an eight minute sequence with uh, Jeff Daniels. Uh, who plays a news guy who has basically been known to be moderate uh, and, and not really, you know, speak his mind too much. And then he he's loses at, it. <laughs> yeah, he's at this, uh, he's at this, uh, like, college thing where there's, like, somebody who's far to the left on one side and far to the right on the other. And one of the, uh, uh, you know, why is America the greatest country? And he basically loses it on her. And on everybody, I mean, and on everybody, and it's just like, and I watched that the other day again, and I'm like, this is me and Superman. This is me. It's like when someone goes, you know, why is Superman the greatest character? He isn't, but he used to be, and he needs to be again. So it, it, it was that kind of sentiment, right. really, where where it's just, you know, I, I know we're trying to watch our language, but at one point he's just like, you know. So you sit there and you ask me that, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And that's that's essentially <laughs> that was essentially my my thing. It's just like you had four years to get this right. Okay, I I will accept a false start. You know, I will accept you know trying to get your crap together in the middle of it. But when you consistently fail to do anything, and the real problem is, is that 
you can't even say, let's stop buying the books because that'll send a message because the books weren't selling. So they said, okay, let's change things. And they made it worse. Right. So it's just like, it's like you can't even send these people a clear message because they're not going to get the message. So that was why, you know, it was really the comment by Jim Lee that, you know, I don't know why people were harping on this five-year timeline thing because that's not really important. What's well, because you gave it to us, <laughs> you know, don't, don't sit there. It's just, it's like, it's like if you're at a restaurant and they give you a crappy meal and you bite into it and you're like, God, this sucks. Well, why'd you take a bite out of it? Because right. you gave it to me, asshole. I mean, right. seriously. So, but um, to move away from that very quickly and get into something exciting. Well, uh, real, real quick before you move away from that, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. It's it's been on my mind quite a bit, and and reading your article definitely just brought it that much more to the forefront. So, I propose a couple of ideas, um, and, and this is you know just it, 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 what you, whatever you think of it, one way or the other. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, Something that would be, and this could either be a couple of different shows or it could be one big show, but something, what I'm kind of envisioning is sort of a uh, uh, a sequel of sorts to our cathartic episode, but also, you know, Chris and I had done an episode ages ago, I think we called it something like uh, fandom as a, as a disease or something <laughs> to that effect. When fandom, yeah, when fandom... It turns to mental illness, to that was mental it. Mental illness. And what I've been thinking a lot about is, and I know, you, Mike, you and I have discussed this before as well, but I, 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 think, it, I think it bears discussing again, is... I think a lot of what happens to us as comic book fans and comic book readers and people that feel very invested in these worlds is I think it's very akin to battered spouse syndrome. I really do. And I don't think it's healthy. And so that's why. And and again, I'm not I please believe me, I'm not trying to be condescending by saying this, but that's why I'm really proud of you that you've gotten to this point, because it shows me that. You know that that there is tolerances. You know what I mean? Because you you mm-hmm. always look at and maybe battered spouse. Maybe that's a horrible analogy, but it's just the best one I can think of. But it's like <laughs> you know, you've known that person in your life that has just taken an inordinate Sk- inordinate Sk- amount of shit from yeah, somebody and just continues to fucking yeah, put up with it. And basically, it's, and Scott, you get, you've moved out of your you've moved out from your your battering comic book husband, and you're in the halfway house. Mm-hmm. And Michael just moved into the room across the hall. And you're just like, oh, finally. Yes. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to die. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. That is exactly it. Yes. So, yes. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> you're safe we will, here. We will take good care of you. <laughs> it's not going to happen anymore. But uh, I think we should Jesus. just have a podcast. It's like, it's like, yeah, I want this Lifetime movie. I really want this. <laughs> just, uh... Listen, guys, I think we should have a podcast just called like Get It Out or something like that. It's basically like that, lo- like our long podcast. play one where anybody can do it. And we'll use that podcast to go yeah. and rant about the things this that is keep the taking my... up space in our other podcasts because they bother us, you know. This like... is the get-off-my-lawn cast that we've we've been pitching for yeah. some time over on Back to the Bit. It really does need to happen. It started as a joke, but now it's to a point where... It no, would no, probably no, be the most really popular needs... podcast of all time. But, but it probably would. An explosion nice of about... negativity. <laughs> but the nice thing about it is that it gives a specific place for that. So like a that toilet, people yes. Like, like people won't get, won't get on us for being negative everywhere. 
It, no, it's the outhouse. Hear that? Place... Don't listen to that show. It's if you right. want to hear us talk about comics we love and awesomeness, listen to these shows. But if you just if you're just upset and you want to you want to hear some people ranting, knowing that that's not like going to be the entire point of their podcast in general, then listen to this. I think that's a fantastic idea. It'll keep I, yeah. it's it's I like do, it's I really like do a, too. It's like it's like an outhouse or a crap or the crapper. You know, <laughs> keep it keep it there. It's the don't shit where you eat. All right, maxim. we're gonna get on that. <laughs> okay, but uh, but no, it, it it's in terms of buying comics, and I'm not talking new comics because there, there's there's always going to be like a small portion of books that I will buy new just because I've been doing it for so long. But I'm talking uh, before I bought the iPad, I had a bunch of stuff. I don't know if you guys do this. I had a, I had a bunch of stuff I was watching on eBay, you know, just because you window shop and you go, okay, I'll watch that and maybe I'll get it. It's not something right. you're definitely going to get, but. I got the iPad, and I loaded some comics up on it. And it, it took me, like, because of, of my work and everything and my schedule, it took me a couple days to actually sit down and start, you know, seriously reading some books. I blew through, like, six issues of Silver Surfer in an hour. Mm-hmm. And I, I want the scientific data on why it's faster to read digitally than in paper. Maybe it's because you don't have to take it out of the bag, and you don't have to, you know, you know just swipe, 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 and all that. But I went through my eBay list after that and went, no, 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 got that digitally, got that digitally, got that digitally, got that digitally. So what this iPad has done is brought me back to the beginning of my collecting days. I'm still collecting to collect. Like, I got my Superman collection that I'm working on. You know, I've got Silver Age books I'm kind of plugging in because it's Superman, you know? He's my favorite character. I'm going to have that collection. And there's like hardcovers and collections and trade paperbacks that I'll have. And I'll keep a lot of my comics. But for the pure visceral joy of reading a comic book, this thing is beautiful. And I know mm-hmm. I'm preaching to the choir here. And I know I'm one of the, I'm tardy to the party, so to speak, uh, in terms of getting one. But I, 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 got it, I got a wild hair up my butt to read Infinity Gauntlet. And I went, you know what? I've never read the Silver Surfer issues leading into that. Because there's a trade out there called Birth of Thanos mm-hmm. that has like six issues of Silver Surfer and the two-issue Thano Quest series. And I'm like, I've never read those. So I loaded them up and I sat down and my wife was watching TV and I just read through it. I'm like, this is great. This is the most amazing thing that's ever happened. It's like it's it's like discovering, con- you know, <laughs> to speak from the, the concept of the addict, you know, they always say that, you know, addicts are always searching for that, you know, that first high. Right. Well, we managed to find it. Uh, <laughs> against all odds, it's there. But I, I've been reading some Silver Surfer. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, Scott and I were talking offline the other day. I had read it years ago, but I'd never read the rest of the Annihilation Saga uh, from Marvel that they put out back, starting around Civil War was when the first Annihilation right. yeah. uh, series started. And I loved the first one. I just never followed up on it. I got all that loaded up on my iPad. I've got uh, got Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> All that loaded up on my iPad, obviously, uh, because Scott and I are doing the show. Right. And I've been reading some, like, I wanted to read the Miller run of Daredevil because I never have. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know what? I want to I wanna read all the McKenzie issues because Roger McKenzie was the writer when, when Frank Miller started going on there. I want to read his the start of his run and go into the Miller run. It's his stu- it's 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 good. 
So, so it's just like now I am doing. I'm going to be able to now finally do my comic book bucket list. Essentially, yeah. All of those things that I've always wanted to read, I'm now in the process of reading, and I love this thing. And again, I know there are people out there thinking, "Oh, Mike, I've had it. I've had a tablet for years. Where have you been?" I am not the type of person to make a purchase like this. Just have a blu-ray player yet we are my wife and i are just you know we're, we're just the, those types of people that when it comes to amish? personal electronics the what amish uh, no. luddites you could, you could have a D- dvd player and not be amish i mean Jesus. <laughs> i mean it's not like I'll, i got betamax though. i don't have a i don't have a car i don't have a phone i don't have a <laughs> no single luxury huh <laughs> no single luxury like Robinson Crusoe, it's primitive as can be. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's just so you know these types of purchases are like big deals for us, right? Uh, so I, I, you know, and and so yes, you know, this technology has been around for a couple years now. Scott and I have been talking about digital since we've started podcasting together five years ago. Uh, almost six years ago, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but now you know, I'm just really excited. I am excited about this this brave new world. And the great thing is, is is that I've got all these friends to trade stuff with. So again, it's going back to like the early days of collecting, where you know you you trade comics with your friends, and, and stuff. it's so much easier to and faster and convenient to try out something new. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a Absolutely. new number one of something, whatever. It doesn't even sound like something I might be interested in, but you know what? You can just check it out and like, and if you don't like it, you're not stuck with it, you know? So, Absolutely. So it could lead in, diff- you know, you could end up in different directions than if you would have had to go spend $5 for the book to read it. Yep. Uh, but beyond that, I, I, I want to I thank Mark, too, for sending me stuff. He sent me this really cool... Uh, Batman pocketbook from this uh, that's a bu- that's uh, reprinting some Golden Age stories uh, that that I that I've seen on eBay a lot and I've always wanted it and he's like hey you want this I'm like sure but for my birthday he sent me a comic book uh, I was completely unaware that Saved by the Bell what had a uh, comic book series what but uh, Harvey Comics. Yeah, uh, I want to thank him, but <laughs> I also kind of not want to thank him because I didn't really need Saved by the Bell the college years in a comic book form. But on the other hand, it's kind of a neat artifact to have. Like, I just had no yeah. idea this thing existed until he sent it to me. Saved so, by the Bell had some interesting... I, I, I picked up and eventually sold on eBay a whole Saved by the Bell, and it was made for boys. It was like soap shaving kit you know for like puberty like shampoo wow yeah it was it was a it was a packaging thing to be seen it was a nightmare of pinks and black and 80s hairstyles and stuff it was crazy and it was like it was like that kind of thing you're like what a what guy was watching Saved by the Bell when it was on, you know? In the- um, Tom Panneries. Oh. <laughs> oh. But, but would go out and be like, Mom, Mom, buy me the Saved by the Bell soap. <laughs> okay, okay. That, that, that number is probably significantly lower. It's just right. I'm seeing, like, how many guys <laughs> watch Save the Bell? I, I, I hear the... 
And it's like, and would buy this. Exactly. That's pretty much all I got. Oh, by the way, read. It, it's it starts around Silver Surfer number thirty four from the the late eighties early nineties series. If you like cosmic comics, seriously, these books down because they're amazing. He finds, and he's like on this like quest to try to figure out how to deal with it. It's written by Jim Starlin and it's got art by Ron Lim. And, and so you, you cut out there. What what does he find? He finds Thanos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanos is back, and he has to figure out how to deal with it. And it's written by Jim Starlin, art by Ron Lim. Just just amazing books. Seriously amazing books. I think my next back issue read-through is going to be the complete Jim Starlin. I've been wanting to do that. You know, I've been wanting to get more into classic Marvel Cosmic and at uh, Paul Spataro's suggestion, he said, why don't you just do a read-through? Because what I was going to do is just read through the classic Marvel Cosmic titles. And Paul Spataro was like, all right, so where are you going to start? I'm like, well, I think I'll start with Captain Marvel. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't want to do that. So he, uh, his suggestion, <laughs> which was you know, just read through um, the, the, Mike Car- or the uh, um, Jim Starlin stuff. So I think that's what I'm going to do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I have seen those Silver Surfer issues you're talking about. I've seen those in 50 cent bins for years and always tempted to pick them up just because the art's beautiful. Um, but just never, you know, never pulled the trigger on that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm really curious about that stuff because, yeah, I, I think you and I are in a very similar place um, with some of the back issues that, you know, we're looking to read and what. Um I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm amazed at myself that because I have done that Marvel Cosmic read through, it's got me itching to just continue reading it through. So I was basically just continuing to follow Guardians and Nova. Well, because that has crossed into so many other events recently, it, it's like you say, it's almost like rediscovering reading comics again, because, you know, mm-hmm. I started out reading comics with two titles, which was Marvel Star Wars, which never really branched out into anything else. Uh, and Superman, which branches into everything else. So this kind of led me the same way, you know, because of reading Guardians and Nova. I was just looking at my list here. I'm now reading seven titles, which just blows me away for somebody that feels like they're disconnected from modern comics. I'm actually connected pretty good reading seven titles. So currently I'm reading um, Avengers, Mighty Avengers, which where I'm at in my read through is just about to make the switch over to Captain America in the Mighty Avengers with the very next issue. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Legend, uh, Legendary Star-Lord, which is eh, so far it's not really doing it for me, but I'm going to stick with it a little bit longer because... I think it ends up being important to a crossover that I'm headed towards right now. Um, New Avengers, Nova, and uh, Spider-Man 2099, which is really good. I like that one a lot. Although it's a little bit annoying that the first issue of Spider-Man 2099 number one, you know, of the current series, kind of throws you into a, a story that's already going on and gives you no reference where to find where the story started. I thought that was super annoying. It's like, really, you can't throw me a bone in a, a footnote or something to let me know 
where this started, like what story you're referring to. You're just you're just going to start the story. Okay. And it, that was a little annoying. You, you and, ready for a pithy response to that? Go ahead. What do you want, Scott? You got Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so, oh, it's so annoying. I don't really mean that is. seriously, obviously, but still. But no, it's... I mean that is their answer, though, and it, you're right. It is. It it really is. Yeah, it, it's not. I, I just don't think that's good business myself. But, uh. but that said, I'm I'm you know most of the titles I'm reading right now I'm digging. I, what I'm really getting into, and it surprises me, is uh, the Avengers stuff, and that is mostly because of the writing. The writing is really really good because when this latest round of Avengers books started I had been reading the prior incarnation of Avengers and then the new one started and I dropped it like a hot potato because the art is shit and I thought nah I don't I don't want to be looking at this because I it just doesn't appeal to me art wise but because issues crossed into um an event that I was reading I'm trying to remember what that even oh infinity um the Avengers titles were were very integral to that event so it kind of just sucked me into the ongoing thing that was going on in the Avengers books as well. So I've continued it from that point, from the crossover point with Infinity forward. And damn, it's really good. It's and, you know, if if you're going to be checking out the, the whole Secret Wars thing to find out, you know, what's next for Marvel, because it looks like they're kind of having their version of Crisis almost, um, the, then the Avengers books are you know they're vital to that to understand what is happening and it's weird because it's it's simultaneously a really good read but it was also making me feel very uncomfortable because you had a lot of your core marvel heroes acting incredibly unheroic and that was really starting to bother me i'm like you know this is a good read but i don't like seeing so and so going down this very dark path from which there is no return where where are they headed with this and it turns out that it looks like they've got a good plan because basically much like civil war although much better written this has created a schism in the marvel universe hero community to where now finally you understand it's it's been revealed that not all of the heroes are on board with what's happening and so there is a very clear divide between the ones that have kind of lost their soul and are doing what they're doing because they think it's the right thing to do. However, there's a terrible cost. And the other heroes that are going, okay, we realize that you're trying to save all of existence, but we're not willing to pay this price and we're going to stop you. And it's that dynamic is very cool. So it's, it's much like... It's incredibly similar to Crisis on Infinite Earths without just doing the same story over again. It's basically doing Crisis Marvel style. And it's so far, I'm really digging it. I think it's a very enjoyable story, you know, with certain, you know, caveats here and there. Um, but the, the real miracle that it's pulled off is it's making me actually not only give a shit, but actually cheer for Namor for the first time really in forever. Namor has been revealed to not only be a badass, but he's such a bastard in this story. And it's great because that's how I've always seen him anyway, is kind of just he's a super unlikable prick. And they're kind of just playing up that prickness. <laughs> and, and, and it works 
masterfully in the story that's being told. So I, I highly encourage that if you're looking for some really good comics to read, right? You know, that are uh, you know more current day and relevant and everything. I'll have um, to ask you later after get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic about the parallels that might be applicable to what you were just describing with the book that we're going to be covering. Yes. Oh, very, very much so. Cause that character is part of all this. Um, real quick. I just wanted to, uh, have my little bragathon here. I got some new funny books. Uh, recently I drugged my youngest boy with me and we went to several. I uh, thought you said you drugged your, your, (laughs) I drugged him and I put him in the trunk of the car. No, I, I drugged him with me to uh, to go to some uh, to go to some comic shops in the area. It's just you know I just you know like Mike said got a got a wild hair up my butt the other day that uh, it had been far too long since I had just gone on a classic hunt, you know. So uh, we decided that we were going to hit as many comic shops in a day as we could and just go bin diving, and that's what we did. And we went to. Uh, three or four um, Coliseum of Comics stores around the Orlando area just to see what we could see. And I got some really, really good scores here. So I put these in kind of a, what I hope is kind of a logical order here. So just out of the 50 cent bin, some random finds, just some things I didn't have is the only reason I picked these up. I've got Brave and the Bold, number 166, which is Black uh, Batman and Black Canary. It's got a really cool cover on it where they're facing the, uh, the penguin. And, uh, you know, of course, these I picked these up because, you know, hey, they're brave and the bold, but they're all Apero issues. Only Apero could make me really dig the Penguin. So I, I really like the, the cover on this with the Penguin. Um, 168, Batman and Green Arrow. And 170, Batman and Nemesis. And again, only Jim Apero could make me give two craps about Nemesis. But these all look really good. These are just issues I didn't have already in my collection. So, hey, 50 cents. And Thor, number 334, which I picked up only because it was 50 cents and I didn't already have it. So, um, But I thought this one was a really good score. DC Sampler, number three. I have wanted this comic for a long, long time. And it has been on my mind a lot recently because right in the middle of the book, the centerfold of sorts in the book is the classic ad that you know if if you're listening to tales of the justice society of america as we do our crisis coverage right now this is the ad that mike used to create our banner for the crisis episodes Mm -hmm. so it's the classic ad of on one side it says uh, for the past 12 months he has been monitoring the dc universe wait uh, watching waiting scheming now you'll find out why dc universe crisis on infinite earths the DC universe will never be the same. And it's the monitor in, you know, just in silhouette. And then on the other side, you've got the other ad that's, you know, the most eagerly awaited, blah, blah, blah. And it's again, DC universe crisis on infinite earths. I didn't ever own this before. It's been really hard to find. And my impression was that this was a very expensive book yet. I pulled it out of the 50 cent bin. Now, granted it's uh, it is unfortunately heavily water damaged, but still for 50 cents, I'll take it. And it's really cool because it is essentially an entire book of one-page ads. You know, there's no story involved or anything. It's just ads. But this is a beautiful time capsule of 1984, 1985 DC. Um, I mean, you've got the classic, uh, 
uh, Swamp Thing, you know, Saga of the Swamp Thing ad from the Alan Moore issue that's just beautiful. Actually, that one runs a couple of pages. And you've got, you know, things like Robotech and Conquer of Barren Earth and America versus the Justice Society and all these great things that were coming out in this year. And it's just it's just great to look through. It brings back just so many memories just flipping through the thing, you know, on a, on a casual flip through. So also related to Crisis on Infinite Earths and all our coverage over at Tales was very, very recently. It came to my attention, thanks to our buddy Mike Voiles of Mike's Amazing World, that I was missing a pre-crisis monitor appearance that I didn't even know about that, uh, you know, thanks to Mike, he, he mentioned it to me. And so it instantly jumped onto my want list because I am, in, you know, I'm a completist. I had long thought I had everything already crisis related, but turned out, nope, there was one that, uh, that I actually, a couple of them that I did not know about. And lo and behold, I found it in the 50 cent bin as I was hoping I would, because you find a lot of this title in the 50 cent bin, which is warlord. So I got warlord number 90. And just because I suddenly find myself with a pretty big collection of warlord already, since these were all 50 cents, I went in to also get a 94, 95, 120, 122 and 130 just to add to the collection. One of the uh, Coliseum of Comics uh, stores that we were at also had a $1 bin of bagged and boarded Bronze Age books. And I don't, you know, 50 cents is usually kind of my, that's my cutoff for, you know, for cheap back issues like this. But I I took a, a dig through them anyway just to see what might be in there. And I couldn't resist. They had Warlord issue two and three in the dollar bin. And I already wow. have a number one, so I thought, what the hell? So I didn't think I'd probably find them, you know, early these early issues that cheap again. So I went ahead and I snagged them. I also got Monster of Frankenstein. This is Marvel's Frankenstein series um, that started off as Monster Frankenstein, and then eventually they changed the name to Frankenstein's Monster. But it was all the same series. I got issue number two for a buck, which that's uh, quite a deal, isn't it? That yeah, it is. A bit, don't they? They are very expensive. I still lack one issue, which is number three. I have been chasing all the issues of this series for years because I'm in love with this series. But as you say, the back issues are damn expensive uh-huh. and they're hard to find. So finding it for a buck was a real steal on this and it's in great shape. They also had a $2 bin, which again, eh, you know, I'm a cheapskate. It's hard to get me to spend more than 50 cents on back issues like this, but... This one just happened to jump out at me through the little window in the front of the long boxes. I happened to see just enough of the cover that I'm like, ooh, I think I know what that is. So I fished it out, and sure enough, this is it has a cover on it that I have seen all of my collecting life and always thought, ooh, that's a great cover. I'd like to get that issue one day. It's Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 202. Anybody that's read old comics from the 70s is going to know the cover I'm talking about. It's the one with dead Superboy being raised up out of the water by this scaly arm that looks like it belongs to the creature from the Black Lagoon, and it just says, Wraith of the Devilfish. I have no idea about anything in the interior. I don't know if it's going to be any good. I don't know who drew it or anything like that. I'm assuming it's Mike Grell, but I'm not sure. But just because I have always wanted this for the cover, I went ahead and picked it up. Plus, it's one of those classic 100-page giants. So I'm like, what the hell? 100 pages for two bucks? I'll pick that up. So I got that. 
then because they were 50 cents and don't laugh at me but they were 50 cents and once I'm probably going to laugh at you you're probably going to laugh probably a lot of people would be laughing like god you paid 50 cents you paid a buck for those crap issues but here's the reason I bought these I'm going to preface this before I tell you what they are they were 50 cents a piece and once again these were part of my ongoing collection of the comics of Walt Disney World. And what I mean by that is comics that are actually on display somewhere at Walt Disney World. So I picked up Turok Dinosaur Hunter issues three and seven, which are on display at Chester and Hester's Dino-Rama in uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom. And that's why I picked them up. Ah I've been chasing those for a while. Also... What's that? Is that the place that we, we ate there, didn't we? Right near there, yeah. We, we ate at Restaurantosaurus, which is okay. right around the corner from it. Yep. And also, for the exact same reason, because it's on display at Chester and Hester's, another comic I've been chasing for quite a while, and I finally found it. These back issues on this series are incredibly expensive, and I have no idea why. But I found this one for 5 bucks, which is probably more than I should have spent for it, but it's the cheapest I've ever seen it. I got Rip Hunter Time Master number seven, which just, you know, has a great the, the common th thread here, of course, is dinosaurs. And this issue has uh, a dinosaur and a saber toothed tiger coming walking up. And it looks like it's uh, going to attack Rip Hunter and whoever this dude is with him. And they're saying, wow, it's bad enough to be trapped 100 million B.C. by a saber tooth. But now a dinosaur of 75 million years ago has come to life. <laughs> it just it just looks super wacky. So these are more than likely going to become future back to the bins fodder or something like that. But uh, I just I love the cover and I just wanted to own it. So that was pretty much everything I got on that day that we went out. One thing I had seen while we were out that day, though, was I did some brief digging in the regular back issue bins, just looking for things that were on my my want list to see if I might you know find anything cheap or what. And one issue that I saw, and it was five bucks, and I was just like, ah, you know, five bucks. And I think it was at the very first store that we had stopped at. So I was like, you know, who knows what I might find at the other stores. It was five bucks. It was right at that tolerance limit. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pass. And then, you know, I went on to the other stores, bought what I bought got home and I instantly had regret. I was like, why didn't I pick that up when I saw it? I've never seen it that cheap. It's one of the last issues I need to complete this series. Why the hell didn't I just pick it up? So the very next day after work, I went back. I picked it up for $5. Marvel team up the original series number two. Nice. Spider-Man nice. and the Human Torch. So, you know, I, I have a number one that I scored for a dollar recently. And now I have number two. I lack two more issues. I lack seven and 11. Seven, 11. And that'll be it. And I'll have the entire run plus annuals of Marvel team up. Um, one of my, I'm, I'm very proud of that. One of my favorite comics of all time I got from Walt Hadley was the Marvel team up with uh, Saturday Night Live. Yep. And not ready for primetime players. Yep. I remember that. Well, Marvel team up has always held a very special place in my heart because when I was a kid and we used to go over to my grandma Gardner's house when they lived in what I always think of as their original place, you know, the place... I always remember them living in before they moved. Um, there was this stack of old beat up, well-loved comics that were sitting on the front porch that were just always there. 
And I can remember to this day a number of the of the covers of the comics that were sitting there. And there was one issue of Marvel Team Up. And I couldn't tell you the number. I think it's in the 30s. It's like 34 or something like that. And it's Spider-Man and the Human Torch. And I think that's the first time I ever saw the Human Torch. I'm pretty sure. Now, I knew who Spider-Man was from the electric company. But I think that's the first time I ever saw the Human Torch. And so because of that, I've always had an affinity for the Human Torch, but also anytime he ever teamed up with Spider-Man, which, of course, makes me really like Marvel Team-Up because in the early issues, I think for the first three or four, no, three, first three issues, I think, it was Spider-Man and, and the Human Torch. And then for a time, a lot of people have forgotten this, but for a time, uh, Marvel Team-Up wasn't always Spider-Man. For a time... The Human Torch was the main guy, right? And it became a Human Torch team-up book. So it was like Human Torch and Iceman, Human Torch and the Hulk, Human Torch and Thor, I think, and a few other characters. And then it reverted back to Spider-Man, and it was pretty much Spider-Man for the entire rest of the series. But just for those reasons alone, for very sentimental reasons, Marvel Team-Up's just always been one of my, you know, one of my favorite titles, and I've just always wanted to get the entire series. So. It's just nice to be this much closer to uh, to completion on that. But that's pretty much it for me. I did not mean to take up so much time. <laughs> well, I think we are ready for the Freaky Five. The Freaky Five. And uh, this month on the Freaky Five, it's just impossible to ignore... The blind elephant in the room. <laughs> it's a uh, Netflix just dropped a not whole. My foot. <laughs> no, it's got radar sense. It's okay. It's not going to step on you. <laughs> yeah, the the Netflix has dropped a whole season of Daredevil, and um, and I know most most of our nerds have seemed to binge watch the whole thing, but. Uh, all three of us are, are slackers or just don't have time or whatever. So we're all like, what? Yeah, three, I'm glad three or four have episodes in. To, to devote to it. I, I just don't have it. So so, yeah. so we decided to do a top five of our and and spoiler, we all we all like it. So yeah. we we decided to do a top five. It's a really easy one of our favorite things for the first couple episodes of Netflix Marvel Daredevil. Who wants to go first? Well, I'll go first, and, and I want to put this out there, and I do apologize um, to a segment of our listeners who may be offended by, by the next sta- statement, but I, I think we can all put out there... I, I'm like, behind you on this one. I think I know where you're going. L- like when Scott and I talked about the best superhero scores of all time, we just had to take Superman off the table. Mm-hmm. You Star know, Superman Wars the went off the best movie yeah. scores list with us, too, when we did that. Um, I, 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 I think Karen Page's side boob... In the mm-hmm. first episode, I, I think we can just take that. We'll, we'll just take that off the table. Given, uh, yeah. So, uh, and again, I do apologize to people who are offended by such things, but it was just kind of really interesting. One, it was interesting to see because mm, you know yes. I know it's Netflix, and I know you know they, they they can be more violent and they can swear, and you know you're not really dealing with network television. But one, it was not gratuitous. It's not like, you know, anything from like like eighties action movies where the boob shot was, you know, obviously there just to to be the boob shot. It was a really natural thing because spoiler this isn't much of a spoiler warning because it doesn't give away the plot. She's changing in front of Matt. 
and you see on her face this thing like, ah, screw it, because he can't see me anyways. And it, I was, I was like, it, it was a neat scene. So, but and he's yeah, sitting but, there going, "Oh yeah, I get this all yeah. the time." <laughs> uh, going from what I liked to what I really liked, because uh, there was really no down. Uh, one, I love the tone of the series, uh, and I've only seen the first two episodes, but I think that gives you a good idea of of, of how this series is going to work. Uh, it is. It is Bendis, Miller, kind of gritty Daredevil, but the characters are really likable. It, it, it's, it's dark, but the reason why it's dark is because the city needs saving. Uh, so I, I was down with the tone of it, the, the look of it. Uh, number four, the incident. When they talked in the very first scene of the very first episode, basically mentioning the attack on new york i got giddy as hell because uh. i'm like it's all connected and it's like this series and i don't know if you guys got this same feeling this series and all of these marvel movies and yes some of this may have to do with the fact that i'm really pissed off at my favorite comic company right now but it's like reading comics but on movie levels yep mm-hmm. like like you read you you know you pick up the first issue of Iron Man and you read the next two and you pick up the first issue of Thor now they're putting out more books it's it's an evolution yeah and, it's an evolution in comics and movies and they are completely unapologetic about how everything's connected and they do not blame the fan base for asking how it's all connected because they know they put it out there that all these things are connected so the fact that, uh, you know, even though it's not a realistic representation of what Hell's Kitchen is like right now, because it's it's very different from what they're portraying, I like the fact that they're mentioning that this big thing happened. They never say, you know, Avengers. They never say, you know, Captain America or Iron Man. But you know that it all existed in the same world, which opens up just so many possibilities. Uh, number three... It's amazing how you can change your mind about something. I, 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 I don't know if you guys were like this, but the, the, one of the kind of disappointing things about the trial of the Incredible Hulk movie uh, back in 1989? Yeah, that was in 89. Yeah. Was that the Daredevil costume, his, his eyes were covered and all that. Uh, and it bugged me then, and it's bugged me for years I like the costume in this because have you guys ever read Daredevil the Man Without Fear, the five issue limited series? Yes. Yeah. They they're basically using that costume. And I was like, oh cool. And to now know because Netflix revealed it, so I don't feel bad saying this, he eventually gets a Daredevil outfit. So I like that in the beginning he's got this kind of cool costume as he's trying to figure things out. That leads into my number two. I like seeing the evolution of Matt figuring it out. You know, this whole season seems to be him figuring out how he's going to be Daredevil. We're seeing that over a, t- you know, a 15-episode evolution, and I love that. I love that we're, we're getting... You know, he's in costume in the first episode, so it's not like a Smallville situation where right. you know, they, just, they just tease and tease and tease. So he is in a costume, and you know where he's headed. But 
just uh, but just seeing that evolution and seeing this character that I like. I've never really collected Daredevil on any kind of regular basis, but I've always liked the character because I thought he was just cool. It's a guy in a red costume. He's blind. He's got a radar sense, and he kicks a lot of ass. I mean, uh, you know, blind lawyer. You know, lawyer by day, vigilante by night. You know, cat. You know, Miller threw in the whole Catholic thing. You know, there, there's just so much about this character to like, and I think they're nailing it. And my number one. Holy crap! The fight scenes in the in this series are one brutal, but two beautiful to watch. You can the actually fight... tell what's going on in them. Yes, they back the camera up five yeah. feet, as I always joke. That fight scene at the end of episode two is one of the most amazing fight scenes I have ever seen in my entire life. The, have you seen the movie kept... Old Boy? Uh, no, I have not seen the it's movie. It's totally Boy. taken from Old Boy. But at the same time, it has the feel of the Frank Miller, the way Frank Miller would do that. But Frank Miller was totally stealing stuff from Asian cinema mm-hmm. for for that Daredevil. So this is just it's just true to that that feel on on so many different levels. Yeah, that scene is genius. It just was going up done. and down the hallway, going into rooms, throwing people out the out of the room. I mean, yeah. I was just like. I was just like, you know, my, my jaw just kept getting lower and lower and lower. And I'm just like, is, and it was just beautiful. Uh, honorary mention of Night Nurse in the second episode. Rosario Dawson is Night Nurse. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Like Her actually- name, now she can't be called Linda Carter for obvious reasons. But uh, she is Night Nurse. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's thank hilarious. you Andy Leyland for pointing that out to me but, that's hilarious yeah I figured you guys uh, if you didn't know you'd get a kick out of that no I love this show I can't wait to watch the rest of it I am just you know I gotta say this just real quick between Avengers Age of Ultron that Ant-Man trailer that dropped the other day that looks freaking amazing mm-hmm. and, oh, and the Daredevil so series and you know Jessica Jones is coming I am so excited for Marvel Cinematic Universe in a way that I haven't been since the first Avengers came out. It's it, mm-hmm. it's where you really start understanding the true meaning of the phrase kid in a candy store. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. And yep. I will say this, DC, you only have yourself to blame for me doing this. You know, when when you don't get your loving from one person, you got to go find it somewhere else. So Got to get your loving, man. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go next only because uh, I find a lot of parallels on my list from <laughs> from Michael's list. So I just kind of want to uh, to shore him up because uh, I, I agree on so many levels. So in reverse order, my number five, he's wearing the TV show costume. I love that, you know, from the from the trial of the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Say what you want. And then granted, I haven't seen it since it originally aired. But, you know, I mean, I videotaped it and I watched it a lot of times and everything. But I maybe I'd feel completely differently today. But I loved that when I was a kid. You know, I really enjoyed that. I thought Daredevil worked really well on that. Yeah, he didn't have the classic comic book costume and all that. But for what it was at the time it was produced, I thought it was pretty damn good. So I don't know if this is intended as as a nod to that or not. Probably not. I think Mike's right. I think it's more acknowledging the uh, the Man Without Fear miniseries. But I'm okay with that too because 
I liked that miniseries, but this is so much better because now you get a great story from the miniseries without the shitty art. So that's that's just a plus to me because I always thought the art in that series is atrocious. <laughs> oh, um, man, I, I disagree with you, but I get what you're saying. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, number four, that it's basically uh, done on a soft R, you know, a soft R rating. I think that's brilliant for this type of a show. Um I, I like that while this is clearly superheroes, that this is another genre within the genre, if you know what I mean. And the soft R totally fits this mm-hmm. crime drama, cr- crime noir feel that they're doing for it and trying to to raise it up a level to make it more... I hate to say more adult, but just appeal to a, a, a more adult audience that would be more used to something that has this feel. Uh, number three, uh, firmly planted in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Firmly planted there. Um, as Mike said, from mentioning the incident rate at the beginning to they, they've met over time. I'm not sure what the hell episode I'm on now. I think I'm about midway through the series because I can't stop watching it. Um, I actually came home from work last night exhausted, having only slept about three hours the morning before. Came home from work last night, and as I lay in bed, I, I put it on the on my iPad, thinking I just want to watch like the last ten minutes of the, the episode I had been watching at, on break at work. Next thing I know, it was like three or four in the morning, and I had watched several more episodes. So I, I just can't stop watching the damn thing. So I don't even know what episode I'm on now. But there have been a lot of um, drops of there was one episode I watched where it specifically referenced um, Iron Man didn't say Iron Man, but it said a suit or a magic hammer again, you know, clearly referencing Thor. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I knew this being a Marvel production that there would be Easter eggs galore. And I'd actually been spoiled on a couple of them because people are just retarded about the way that they post things on Facebook all the time and don't bother to consider other people. So a couple of things got spoiled for me. But one thing that didn't get spoiled for me that I was very pleased that I figured out myself was that the character that's played by the guy who was the warden in Shawshank Redemption is the owl. And when I realized that, I was like, holy Whoa. shit, that's awesome. I mean, it really... I had no idea. I'm sorry. So, see, I just complained about other people No, 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 no. it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't I... ruin anything. But that's great because he's he's filling out my Shawshank Redemption comic book actor list. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, down to, you know, Lucius Fox and Lex Luthor beating up Lex Luthor and, and all that. So I was glad to see him there because he... He, he's like Guy Pierce in Iron Man three, creating you know finishing out my L.A. Confidential collection. So, I, I'm you know I, I feel like a complete hypocrite now because I, I just complained about other people spoiling. I just no 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 no. no. Do not feel bad. Do not feel bad. But uh, I love the Easter eggs. I I what's fun with things like this is that I much like watching Agents of Shield. I realize that there are Easter eggs that even I'm not getting. And I like that. I like that they're going to that level of depth that I'm sure that there have been things in the episodes I've seen that, that even escaped my notice. I, I love when they do things like that because that gives it rewatch 
uh, rewatchability, but it also gives it that ooh factor when you get to talking to your friends and your friends point out, hey, did you catch this? And you'd be like, oh my God, I completely missed that. That's so cool. So I, I love that. Um, one thing, and I know this is talking up the things we love, but one, and this isn't a criticism, it's just one of those things that occurred to me while watching it, is I pointed out to the people that were watching it with me in the first episode that the ooze is the same thing that created the Ninja Turtles. Once I said that out loud you know, to them, it suddenly occurred to me, man, I wish that they could have found a way to sneak in a Turtles reference somewhere. I really wish that that had happened. Um, number two... The acting, the acting, oh, yeah. you know, the acting is so important to things like this, because if the acting, if anybody in it sucks, then it, the whole thing's not going to work because Daredevil to me, comic book Daredevil never really worked for me. So I went into this with, I'll be completely honest with you. I went into this with an eye towards I, I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just going to give it a look and you know see what I think of it. But I had really no expectations at all because I really don't give a shit about Daredevil. And because of the level of verisimilitude that they're bringing into this and the acting is so good, everybody is so sincere and believable, it completely sucked me in. And I am buying a completely ridiculous concept and loving it. And I think that's great. And so much of that really falls on the actors themselves, because I think uh, the, the two big ones to my mind are, of course, Daredevil himself. If, if he doesn't work, the show doesn't work, but also Foggy. Yeah, Foggy really works and he's very appealing. And again, comic book Foggy to me was always he was like Jimmy Olsen. He was just one of those annoying sidekicks that I always looked at and thought, why don't they get rid of this guy? But the, I can't imagine this show without Foggy. He he's very likable. He reminds me of people I've really known, you know, and, and I like him on that level. Um, number one. And I forget where this was on Mike's list. I think it was also number one. But uh, here's the thing that really has sold me on this show. Much like Punisher Warzone and say what you want about that movie, the thing that appealed to me about that movie that appeals to me about Daredevil, he beats the piss out of the bad guys. <laughs> and that's what I want to see from a street-level vigilante. I don't want to see him you know, do like 60s Batman and take him away in cuffs at the end. I want to see these bad people beaten to within an inch of their friggin' lives, you know? And yeah, he's that's the son of a boxer. Yeah, he is, I mean, he is beating them. And I like that because, <laughs> you know, every vigilante fantasy I've ever had, that's the way it goes down, is that you don't just slap them around. You don't just haul them away in cuffs. You hurt them the way that they hurt other people. And that's what Daredevil brings to the mm -hmm. table. He kicked the guy off the roof in, I think yeah. it was two. Yeah, he put him I into a coma. Cheered. I cheered. For, like, I didn't even care if the guy was dead. I mean, yeah. I cheered for that because that's what, you know, this guy, after everything Daredevil did to him, Daredevil spares him, and then the guy's got to be a smartass about it. So Daredevil's just like, all right, screw you, and kicks him off the roof. I'm like, yes, that's real world to me because, you know, while I want my heroes to be noble and better than that, 
there are certain ones I'll give that a complete well, pass it, to, and Daredevil and the Punisher in, are two of those characters. In more of the real world the, setting of where they are, a character exactly. that would actually don those costumes and go out to, to fight crime that way would probably right. have some anger issues. <laughs> yeah, but, but more to the point, he's a little guy. I mean, right. Charlie Cox is not a, you know, I liked the Daredevil movie from 2003, but Ben Affleck's like 6'4". Right, right. So, you know, him him being a badass isn't as hard for him because he can build himself up and be that imposing individual. This dude is constantly on the move. And it's like watching Frank Miller or, yes. or even Bill Everett or Gene Colan or, or, or how they do the fight scenes where yes. you see like a bunch of little daredevils on the page as he's yes. flipping and doing all that. Oh, yeah. Just the way this dude moves when he's fighting. Well, he's again, not a bruiser. He's a ninja, yeah. more or less, you know. It, he's more in stealth and, and, you know, quick movement and being yeah. faster and more furious than his... And it, and it bears repeating because Chris said it. You can follow the action. They oh, haven't yeah. shoved the camera. They don't have like shaky cam. It's really like you can see, okay, this moves to here. You know, Wesley Snipes, uh, when he did the first Blade film, uh, in one of the commentaries, he um, he said that a fight scene has its own rhythm. It has it's it's like a it's like a dance. And as brutal as this show is. The fight scenes have their own flow. It's great. Yeah. I I can see if this show jumps the shark someday, you know, seasons down the line, and the people if if you're not getting this show right, what's gonna happen is it'll be crappy writing and it'll be all about the fight scenes. It'll be all focused on the fight scenes. Right now they got them perfectly integrated in mm-hmm. I shouldn't say down the line, but that's usually how you would go wrong with this, that they didn't go wrong with it. Right. Those fight scenes just leap right off the Frank Miller page. Right. One quick thing, and then I'll shut up and pass the baton to Chris. Um, A bonus. And this was a big bonus for me, but also I think it speaks volumes about the show. My wife likes this. That says a lot because I have tried in 20 plus years of marriage to get my wife into comic book things still can't get her to pick up a comic but it is the rare comic book adaptation that she'll watch with me and do more than just tolerate you know usually she'll sit there next to me but she's you know playing on the phone or on her kindle or something like that this one we sat down to watch it together neither one of us really knowing what to expect me a little bit more than her because i was familiar with the character of course but not really knowing what to expect. And by the second episode, I think she's just as on board as I am because oh, I've and been this, to your house. I've seen your wife's book collection. Exactly. She likes, she likes writing. She likes exactly. good writing. And so this um, is good this writing is, in this. This is her genre. She reads all those. Um, God, I can't even think of the authors, but you know, she reads the crime drama stuff. You know, she likes shows like bones and, 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 um, yeah, and this is especially well written. Yeah, yeah, and it, and so it appeals to her on that, and that's why I was saying before about this being a genre within a genre. I like that because it gives appeal, whether you care about the superhero element. If you're a fan of a really good crime drama, then it could suck you in on that level. And for her, I think that's what what has happened, 
So that's made me very happy because this hasn't really happened uh, at this level since The Walking Dead. She's a huge yeah. fan of TV Walking Dead. And, you know, so that gives us, you know, a, a common ground, so, you know, something to, to get into together. So on that level, I'm really happy for the Daredevil thing because, you know, it gives me something that, you know, comic booky that I can enjoy with my wife. I've got to ask, though, she you did show her the uh, Christopher Chance series from 1991, right? You know, I, I, I still have. I think I mentioned it to her, but no, I, I still have not shown. Her I mean, that. I mean, it's got Rick Springfield in it. So <laughs> I, 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 I know that she wants to be Jesse's girl deep down. So. <laughs> We were flipping channels, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago, in an old episode of, uh, gosh, was it The Hulk or was it The Six Million Dollar Man? Now I'm trying to remember. I think it was The Hulk. It was The Hulk. It was The yeah, Hulk. Yeah, yeah that's, Rick Springfield that's was Gerald on there. Gerald McCraney and... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the backdoor pilot of a show that thankfully, thankfully never happened. So he's backdoor <laughs> pilot and Rick Springfield in the same breath, please. <laughs> It's all you, dude. All right. Well, my top five, I was pretty proud with Michael's. I was like, oh, only one repeat. And then we got to Scott's. So I'm going to shore up one of Michael's and shore up one of Scott's. Number five, we get to see what an R-rated Marvel is like. I've mm -hmm. always been curious. And this is what it's like. And it's good. And it's still Marvel-y. It's still, but it's, it's bloody as hell. And side boob. Um, number four, most of my stuff that's not a repeat is just geek out stuff because for once, for once in this whole renaissance of Marvel movies and comic book TV, did they adapt something that I'm actually really familiar with? I've read <laughs> through the Gene Colon, right through the Miller into the Mazzuchelli, and, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm very familiar with with actually the period that they're adapting and using in this so it's they're throwing in all these elements that are just you know i reckon i i understand this i get this reference so number four is uh has josie's bar in it which is, mm -hmm. is turns up and in the frank miller one i hope they do the running gag where people go out the front window she's always just replacing the front window of josie's that's right. I forgot about that. And number three, it's uh, back to, to Michael's uh, hall, that hallway fight. And just the fighting in general is very daredevil, um, very well shot. It makes sense and it's brutal. It's perfect. Um, number two, there's just a line of dialogue. And this is where, not to start bringing in Man of Steel, but my Man of Steel commentary where I'm like, this movie does not have a single character moment, just a pure character moment here in the the scene where foggy and karen page get drunk and yeah. uh are staggering around and just he's just being buffoonish and you know sort of showing off to her you know in his foggy sort of way and then he just stops and there's this real moment where he just looks up and he goes ah this city is beautiful and he really means it, you know. He it's just it's just something that jumped into the character's brain, and came out, and it was such a naturally acted, wonderful moment. And then they cut to this a scene right after that, where Daredevil's got one of the Russians tied up on a rooftop, and behind him is this Frank Miller water, you know, water tank, 
from a rooftop and it's even got the shading like Klaus Janssen did. And I'm like, wow, right after he says this city's beautiful, you have this beautiful shot right out of the comics. I, I love that. And uh, number one is another geek out moment right in the beginning. You have my two favorite characters, Turk and Grotto. We haven't heard Grotto's name yet, but Turk has come out and, and said his name's Turk. And that's that's the, the black guy who gets the just shit beat out of him at the beginning. And Grotto's got to be the big fat white guy who's sitting at the edge of the pier eating a sub. Because he's <laughs> always that. eating a sub in the comics. And Daredevil always comes in. And Turk is the brains of the business. So Turk always gets beaten really bad. Grotto is always an afterthought because he's just sort of the big dumb of mice and men Lenny type of type of guy. <laughs> but it's that. just great to, it, it, right at the beginning. And, and just as another bonus later on when Ben Urich comes in, all right, I'm used to Ben Urich in the comics as being an old frumpy Peter Falk, white guy, chain smoker. That's his thing. Smoking all the time, but Marvel doesn't do smoking. So here we have black guy, non-smoker instantly. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, Ben Urich. <laughs> yeah. That's Ben Urich. As soon as I saw his face, I was just like, oh my God, that's Ben Urich. And uh, that's what's so wonderful about this show. They they know their material and they're pulling it off perfectly. Oh my God, I'm enjoying this so much. Finally, I know what's going on. <laughs> I know these characters. Can I ask you guys a question? Do do you get this backlash that I'm seeing on Facebook against Foggy? Because I love Foggy in this show. Oh, I hadn't and, seen that. I and like there are Foggy people who are like comics, and I thought they got him right in the show. It he could be a borderline obnoxious character, and they make him a, a kind of obnoxious when you first meet him. But like any person like that, he grows on you. Well, you see you know, the serious side of him, and you see the character side of him. I think he's see, great. I always liked Foggy because he was the pudgy friend. And in high school, I was the pudgy friend of the guy that always got <laughs> the girl. So, you know, I had girlfriends, so it's not like I, I, I wanted to open my wrists or anything. But still, it was just like I was always losing out to my cooler, quote-unquote, cooler friends. So I've always kind of, you know, when Foggy's done right, not when he's married and has a porn stash, like in uh, like the, the early 200s <laughs> of the book. Uh, but you know, I, I, and I think if you guys have never read Daredevil Yellow by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, no. I highly recommend it because it's a beautiful story. But it's just one of those things where Foggy is the guy that's loud and obnoxious because he's got so much insecurities going on. He's got to present himself as like this, you know, like this guy that's got a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of confidence and stuff. Like you know, he you know he's very loud and he is the counterpoint to Matt. You know, Matt's very... I love the fact that Foggy's like, we're not going to do this. Matt's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. So <laughs> I love the dynamic between the two of them. The friendship there uh, is really strong, and I'm glad they nailed that. Like, the the right actors away. really sell it, that they've known uh, each other for years. I mean, I got the same sense out of Jon Favreau in the, in the 2003 movie. I thought he was a brilliant choice for Foggy Nelson. Uh, and it's just really funny that he went on to play Happy Hogan. So we've got to find another like side Marvel character from the '60s that this guy's got to play, so he can like have the trifecta. Right, right. <laughs> I think we love this show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it that time, boys? 
<laughs> it is everyone's favorite. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. 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 All right. <laughs> Hello. I am Chris, and I am going to read five goddamn superhero comics. <laughs> These superhero comics are called Black Adam, Legend of the Blue Captain Marvel. Wait, no, it's Adam, Legend of the Blue Marvel. This starts with the Avengers fighting a bad guy named Anti-Guy, who whoops them good before he poops out and disappears. They find out he is the enemy of Blue Marvel, who is basically Superman, but in Marvel World in the 60s. He was a hero and everyone loved him until he ripped his mask and they found out that he was a black guy. So they all freak out and the president has to ask him to stand down because black blue Marvel is way too scary. Now that Anti-Dude is back, Tony Stark tracks Adam down and now he is a philosophy professor with a wife who was planted to spy on him by the FBI, but now she really loves him and they have a baby. Blue Marvel talks to the Avengers about racism, and then he goes to the moon where he talks to the Watcher about saving the Earth. Then he goes to his underwater fortress of solitude with a Millennium Falcon in it and talks to Prince Namor about racism. He suits up and comes up with a plan so he talks to the Avengers for a while who tell him to stand down again and then he gets in a fight with them and then they put him in a glass stasis tube and then they talk some more about that anti-lad whoops them again and is going to destroy the world but blue marvel wakes up and they fight and they talk anti-guy fries adam's wife so blue marvel takes him up to space and he kills him then he talks to Tony Stark some more at his wife's grave. And there's a little more talking than the end. <laughs> what did you think of this? It's not a bad comic, but it's not a good comic. I, the art could have been like Walt Simonson, maybe if it was colored. It was kind of Walt Simonson-esque, so it was pleasant to look at. But it's, it's an awkward comic. I know it wants to be a statement on racism, but it really doesn't work. It, it, it works on a, as a statement on racism in Black, in Black Adams, in, in, in Blue Marvel's context, but on as a society for a whole, it's just so preachy about it, and it's not. It's not even preachy. It's just awkward. It, it takes every opportunity to mention every, you know, pop culture reference to, like, books that were written in the, you know, they mentioned The Invisible Man and Malcolm X. And it's it's almost like somebody just took a Black History Month course in, in college and, and took their notes and made this, made this comic. I don't know. It, there's just not, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of the same topic being discussed by different people and not an awful lot of action in five. <laughs> and even when it's a face-off between the big baddie, you know, they were best friends. So they, they stop and they, they talk at each other. And I think it's an attempt to be sort of watchman like, 
but it doesn't really succeed because the writing's just it's just not up to the task of I guess it as far as like if this was made to be the introduction of this I don't know the if did Black Marvel exist before this? Is he a no. somebody they're reviving? No, this, is, this is a little like the Sentry. So they're trying to create a new character. Yes. As, as far as that goes, it's fairly successful because if you write him well, you could do great th- things with him. It's sort of almost like having. It's sort of almost like a Superman. You know, it's sort of like a version of Superman, from what right. I can tell, that Marvel has to play with, and. Uh, I would have rather they played more with that angle of it than the... I mean, he even has a Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find funny is why, why he doesn't why he doesn't question that Prince Namor is just hanging around in his Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, why would Namor even want to hang around in this guy's... Oh, hey, oh, you're here? Sorry, I'm hanging out in your house, but it's underwater, right? I'm Prince Namor, so, you know, whatever. But uh, it was just... The the writer took too many opportunities. He's not even editorializing or making like broad political statements or racial statements or anything like that. It's almost just like name dropping historical incidents. And uh, as as a story of of Blue Marvel coming to terms with the 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 ba- the bad deal he got from from you know, the people who loved him until they found out he was black. Of course, he'd maybe be a little bitter about that. And, uh, and he's, he is a true, like idealistic superhero. He he did stand down and then devoted his life to teaching and, you know, or, or whatever. But, um, all that gets lost in a lot of blah, blah, blah. I don't know. What did you think, Scott? (laughs) I mean, I'm imagining that, that, maybe you got inspired the comic you were talking about earlier maybe gave you the idea to to fling this my way well i i I brought this one to the you know to the table tonight because well for two reasons two big reasons for one um there have there's been a lot of talk um much of it very recently about white characters in comics being recast uh, to be played by black actors in movies. And and there's even been a lot of, you know, historically in comics, a lot of white characters being recast in the comics themselves to be played by characters of other ethnicities, by people of other ethnicities, whether black or Hispanic or whatever. Yeah. And, these discussions, because it's the internet, don't typically go very civil. Right. They go very, they get very shocking. Ugly. I myself have found myself in some of these discussions and quickly getting the hell out of them because <laughs> exactly because your 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 words and your intentions often become misconstrued a lot of times purposely so by people that are just trying to. No matter what you say, it's going to be right grabbed on by somebody right so one of the reasons i mean i make no bones about it i'm I'm very disappointed you didn't like this because i loved it i thought it was great and one of the major reasons i loved it was because i think that blue marvel is a character that you can point to and go here you go here is a really great brand new black character 
that you well, can do something with. So don't well, keep whining to me that we never get good black characters in comics because here's one that I think is great. Well, and I don't care what his skin color is. I like this guy. I, I like, like this, this guy, guy too. A lot. I know why you like him because he's but like here's what the other Superman's thing. supposed to be like. That's he's, the other he's thing. An I- he's idealist and he sticks with it. That was the other thing, the other reason I wanted to bring this to the table. And it's so funny. I mean, I couldn't have planned this better that Mike and I had the little Superman discussion toward the beginning of this episode because one of the things that the irony of this can't escape my attention right now is that this is the second incident for me personally recently where Marvel has done Superman better than DC is doing it. Blue Marvel is one example. And in a a fairly recent Avengers storyline, again, as part of this whole thing that leads up to time runs out, that leads up to secret wars, um, essentially what's happening is that Marvel now acknowledges that there is a multiverse, much like DC always had a multiverse. And these different dimensional planes are colliding with one another and causing our you know, the, the Marvel heroes that we know and love in the 616 universe to essentially have to battle for their existence against the uh, against other dimensional planes. And so there was this recent storyline which essentially pitted the um, the Avengers against what is essentially a very thinly disguised uh, amalgam of the Justice League and Justice Society of another Earth. And the Superman analog in that story was a character called Sun God, who was the best Superman I've read in a long, long time. Perfectly handled. Everything Superman should be. I saw Adam much that same. See, there have been, ever since, well, say, Watchmen, there have been just a, a ridiculous glut of stories that have come out that have taken the Superman archetype and done a number of different stories whether it was to tear him down whether it was to build him up whether it was to examine him whether it was to take him in very dark places whether it was to explore his inner sight whatever the case may be what i liked about this one was it was once again taking the superman archetype blue marvel is very superman and they don't really sugarcoat that at all they don't make any attempt to disguise it but what's really cool about this one is that yes he's superman but with a really great twist, which is that he's Superman in the 60s as a black man. That nobody knows he's black until the incident where his mask gets torn. And then how does the world, how does society, how does government well, it's, it's very deal like, with that? It's very like Superman too. And like people are like, hey, look, Superman's an alien, you know? Right. He's, he's not human. So it's it's sort of the same, you know, discrimination angle or, or you know, being treated. But that's the funny thing is 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 Blue Marvel's human. <laughs> right. He's just black, you know, but it's it's uh and and I think with this comic they try to like compare what racism of the sixties was like to what racism now is like. And um I, I and now, I, I don't want you to think there's... that I really didn't like this because I, I, I actually I tore right through all five episodes oh, or issues. Yeah. But um, 
the the thing about it is I liked the character a lot. That's what I said at the end of it. I was like, well, this is a perfectly good origin for this character because I know what he's about and I like him. I just think that this the what they did around him was awkward. It was kind of thin. It was almost like they could have really covered another story and done the origin story of him fighting his best friend in like two issues, you know? Right. And instead they turned it into sort of philosophical dissertation or dissection of, of racism and its effects on people to some degree, but just on like a pop comic level. And it, and it, it it didn't work for me because maybe maybe I'm more used to I I more enjoy like the stuff like when Alan Moore does it where it's more deft you know and and it's more right. integrated into the story it's not as obvious it's it's you know it's just more better done but as far as a character goes I'm totally down with this character right. you know and and that's the thing and it shows. You can write an interesting story with conflict with a character who's just, I mean, the bottom line with this character is he's going to do the right thing. You know, if, if it comes right down to the wire and, the, and they tell him you can't save the earth, whatever, he's going to save the earth because he's just will respond to his moral compass, you know, and he has faith in his moral compass. And, uh, yeah. That's I and I I don't know who somebody was on a thread talking about Superman and they're just like somebody has to realize eventually that Superman represents you know the best of us. So right. when you have a Superman that represents the best parts of humanity then you know you can have the worst parts of humanity in the story but then you have Superman to contrast to it, you know. Right. And that's what you know, it's it, it, he was created. He was called Superman, you know, which he was coming out. That was coming out right around the time when, you know, Carl Jung was talking about the Superman, the, the, the archetype of the Superman, you know, right. and stuff like that. So it was made to be like, let's hang all of our highest ideals of humanity on this character, give him infinite power and to to serve as a role model right. <laughs> basically and uh and it and it worked and to to try when once you start trying to humanize that that icon too much you start losing it it starts becoming less of an icon and more of a human which you have but billions of running around here's the thing about that though because it, superman you know I think it's pretty obvious. That we got like four minutes, care. Bailey. Okay, no, I, I I can do this. I can do this in two. Um, Superman is a quandary to me because on one hand he is an icon that represents something. On the other hand, sometimes telling serialized fiction about that can get kind of boring. You know, Elliot S. Magan is quoted as saying, "My Superman story is the the one where Superman always does the right thing," and that's. That's that's a noble intention, but at the same time, you know, 
a couple years ago, I was just like, I don't want to see Superman doubting himself. And I realized I was full of crap because I want to see Superman doubting himself. He can. I don't want to see Superman doubting himself in public. Right. I want those private moments with the Kents or with Lois or with whoever where he's like, am I doing the right thing? But at the end of the day, standing up. Right. And I think that's the balance that a lot of writers either don't get or choose not to get because they don't want to deal you know, they they either want to see him as nothing but an icon to tear down or just this like two dimensional character and there's so much to him. You can so, have you know, him as he can be a human, but he's probably gonna be in the fortress of solitude when he is. You know, I think the Bronze Age was a good example of when Superman started turning to that, where he was Superman, but you know, he'd he'd go to the Kent home and, and, and have a good cry. Right. About yeah. everything he's lost. So I, I, I think that's the, the and and the problem is that Superman fans can't agree on how to make Kool Aid, uh, much <laughs> less much less how right. to deal with this character. And and I think Scott and I that's something Scott and I have talked about like since we've known each other essentially. Right. Is that you know we we can't get these people to agree. It's like different. Uh, I hate to say this. It's like different factions of Christianity almost. Yes. You know, you know on, on one hand you have the hardliners. On the other hand, you have the ones that are a little more, you know, open to things. And in the middle, you got the people talking in tongues. So it's just like, right. you know, it, it, it's just a hard thing. So, you know, due to technical difficulties, I didn't get to read this. Now I really want to read this because it sounds amazing. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because that, that's one of the big reasons I brought this to the table was to see how you would feel about it. Let, let me just put it this way because I know we're up against the clock and, and you've got to go. Here's the thing that I want to say to you is that. I discovered this character only because when Mighty Avengers kicked off, this character became part of the team. And I didn't know who the hell he was. I'm like, who the hell is the Blue Marvel? Thinking that he really was some lost character. I kept thinking maybe he was part of uh, John Byrne's Marvel The Lost Generation. Turns out he's not. This five-issue mini is the origin of the character. So he's been retrofitted into the Marvel Universe much like Sentry. Anyway, long story short, Mighty Avengers is one of my top of the stack reads right now. And of course, that's the series that becomes Captain America and the Mighty Avengers because of the Blue Marvel. That book could be, could be, without that character in it, probably would be just a horrible mess. It would just be a stereotype because basically you have a team full of angry black characters and i and i mean that only in the sense that they feel like that very stereotypical angry black teenager angry black man angry black woman but the presence of the blue marvel on that team raises it up it brings a nobility because he is very much superman in the marvel universe in a marvel context but as a black man, and he really works. So my, my message to you would be, Mike, that Superman's not gone. I mean, the Superman that you're that I think that you're craving, that I think that you and I have the middle ground with, the one that we enjoy, you know, to a certain degree, he's still there. Currently, he's appearing in Captain America and the Mighty Avengers. So I would <laughs> highly encourage you to check this out and let me know what you what you think of it because i think he's i think he's a really good character and uh and currently you know with the stuff that i'm reading he's he's quickly become one of my favorite marvel characters because somebody gets that archetype 
in a yep. way that so often is missed uh you know when when people try to write superman and uh and but with this particular character it really works he has a a a moral compass that he does not sway from and damn that's so refreshing in this day and age especially with what's going on in marvel comics right now when there is this huge moral thing going on that you've got this guy that remains solid and i've like got that. somebody yeah to, to hold down a rock on yep shop at amazon.com please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there if you use this link to go to amazon and then you shop two true freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra so you get to shop as usual and help out the two true freaks at the same time visit our website at twotruefreaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o t-r-u-e F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Sock it to me? (laughs) 